Veterans Day, and I know that uh, we have veterans in our church. We had some this morning, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but listen, we're proud of you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your service and for all that you've done for our nation and that we can have church because of you. Would you guys give the veterans a hand? <clears throat> Amen. Bow your head, let me pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Father, I love you. Lord, I'm thankful that I live in Tulia, Texas. I'm thankful that I'm in Swisher County. I'm thankful for all you're doing in this community. I'm thankful, Father, for this great church, this great body of believers. Father, for all the amazing things you're doing in our lives and our families. Father God, for Power Kids, Ground Zero, men's ministry, women's ministry, all the things that are happening here. Father, I'm so humbled to be a part of it. And I thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, man. Let me read to you out of Matthew 19, 28. Jesus said, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, he's preaching over there, amen? All right, he's preaching, all right. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, and you'll judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me just remind you of the promise. Jesus said that there's gonna come a day when all things are going to be renewed and Jesus is going to sit on his glorious throne. We found out that the word renewal is the Greek word palingenesis. It's where we get the word Genesis. And what that word means is to begin again. It'll be paradise again. It'll be Eden again. Now, you know our ancestors, Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, of course, we know the story. They fell into sin and paradise was lost. Then God the Father sent his son Jesus and he died on the cross and rose from the dead and paradise was regained. Now, we've talked about this, but it's so important for you to understand it. Jesus came the first time to save us. He didn't come to fix the world because the world's still messed up. He's coming the second time to fix the world. You see, he came the first time as a lamb. He's coming the second time as a lion. He came the first time as a servant. He's coming the second time as a king. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he rode on a donkey on purpose because he was coming as a servant. He was coming as a sacrifice. The second time he comes back, he'll ride on a white stallion, and it says that he'll have eyes of fire and feet like brass, and out of his mouth will come a two-edged sword. Jesus promised that he's going to make everything right. He's going to make everything right in our lives. He's going to make everything right in our world. Now, nothing is going to be lost. Think about it for a moment this morning about your desires. Everybody in this room has desires. Now, when you say desires, what do you mean? I'm talking about those things that you long for. Everybody in this room longs to be loved. Everybody in this room longs to be a part of something that matters. I believe that's part of the reason why you're here. Everybody wants to have children. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have peace. We all have all these longings, desires in our life. Now, you do two things with those desires. The first thing you do with them is you've been hurt when you had desires, and so you don't, you don't dare desire anymore. You put it away. If you will, you almost kill it. Have you ever heard that phrase, uh, don't get your hopes up, right? Right, Tulia's in the playoffs Thursday, but don't get your hopes up, right? 
Right, you've probably heard that in your life. And if you're not careful, you move into that and you don't allow yourself to have any dreams. You don't allow yourself to have any desires. The second thing we do with them is if we don't kill them, is that we go from one thing to the next. What do you mean? Well, I have to have a better house. I have to have a better car. I have to have this. I have to have that. I'm always looking for something to fulfill me. I'm always looking for something to make my life better. Okay, here's the thing that I want you to see this morning. I want to ask you to put your hope in the coming kingdom. I want to ask you to not put all your hope into this life, but into the coming kingdom. Let me read to you in Hebrews 6, 19. Listen to what this says. I love this verse. It says, we have this hope. What? Hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in his kingdom. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Can I ask you a question this morning? What are you anchored to? What have you put your hope in? Is what you're holding on to today strong enough to hold you? When things don't go your way, when the storms come in life, what are you anchored to this morning? The scripture says that our hope is supposed to be the anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, I don't want to talk about the last sentence. That's another issue. What I want you to see this morning, what I want to ask you to do this morning is to put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in the coming kingdom because you won't be sorry and you won't be disappointed. Let me read to you another verse. This is Romans 15, 13. I love this. It says, may the God of hope. Did you know that your God is a God of hope? He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of wrath. He's a God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Now, I want to pull out a nugget right there. Don't miss this. It says right there in that verse that you have a God who's a God of hope. And he wants to give you joy and peace as you do what? As you trust in him. Can I encourage you this morning? Trust in God. Listen, he's worth trusting. He's worth leaning on. He's worth you putting your hope in him. It says what? It says that you'll have joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope. I love that, don't you? Man, I want to overflow with hope, don't you? I want to overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read you another verse. Now, this is Ephesians chapter 1, and it's verse 21, and it's in the Amplified. And I, I brought my old Amplified Bible. I've got a Bible here that I've had for 35 years. I have a Bible that's older than a lot of y'all, okay? I have socks older than some of you, Right? I won't say I have underwear older than some of y'all, right? I've had this Bible for 35 years. My mother and father-in-law, my father who's now passed away, they gave it to me on my birthday. Let, let me let me look here, in 1983. And I've used this Bible for 35 years. It's the Amplified Translation, and it's all stained. It's got coffee stains in it. It's got places where I've put my fingers on it so much that my fingers have kind of stained it. I've got it marked. I know what you're thinking, Pastor, why are you making such a big deal out of your Bible? Here's why. Because if your Bible's coming apart, probably your life is not. Amen? Amen. I want to read a verse to you out of it. This is Ephesians 1. It's on the screen. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus is above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named. He's above every title that can be conferred. Now stop right there. There's not anything wrong with titles. I'm a pastor. 
And many of you, when I see in town, you call me pastor. The kids at Power Kids will call me pastor. And there's not anything wrong with that. That's a title. But Jesus is above every title. And it doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if you're the governor. It doesn't matter if you're a boss. It doesn't matter if you're a manager. It doesn't matter what kind of title you have. This scripture says Jesus is above every title. Now listen to it. Not only in this age, in this world, but also in the age and the world which is to come. Now, I pray this verse all the time, and I want you to notice something. So, this so I love this verse. I read it every morning in my Bible, and, and you can see it's all stained from my fingerprints, and my little marker here is all kind of tattered and torn and got probably got coffee on it, no telling what else. L- listen to what it says. It says that Jesus is not only above everything in this age and this world, but also in the age and the world to come. Now, don't miss this. We live in an age and a world right now, do we not? But it says that there's also an age and a world which is to come. So we live in the world right now, but the day's coming where there will be a new age and there will be a new world and we'll be a part of it. And I'll see you there and you'll see me there and we'll know each other. And there won't be any pain. There won't be any brokenness. There won't be any heartache. There won't be any sickness. And as real as this is right here, right now this morning, that will be just as real. I believe it'll be even more real. Amen? Thank you, brother. (laughs) That's good. He's paying attention. Amen? Then we talked about rewards. Kurt talked about that a little bit already this morning. We talked about how God wants to reward us. Listen to this. God wants to reward you lavishly. I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Listen to what it says. It said, Paul said this. Paul said, it's written, eyes not seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I want to use the word lavish this morning. Okay. How many of y'all like mayonnaise on your sandwiches? And when I say mayonnaise, I mean Miracle Whip. Okay, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I mean Miracle okay, I like Miracle Whip. All right, now, and so, so it's okay. I, I, miracle Whip, right? I mean, come on, no. I, I like Miracle Whip. Okay. And, and so, and I know it's not, that's not real mayonnaise. So, so just stay, don't, don't let me lose you, okay? Uh, all right, where's my mayonnaise lovers? Okay, where's my Miracle Whip lovers? Okay, all right. So we're all together. Okay. All right, if you ever, when you make a sandwich, do you make it like I do? When I make a sandwich, I lavish the Miracle Whip on that sandwich, right? Uh, we make toast at our house and put peanut butter on it. Did any of y'all do that? For, you know, like we'll make toast and put peanut butter. Okay, well, when I put my peanut butter on, I want to lavish it on there. I like it thick and wavy, amen? Like my hair used to be, amen? Amen? I, I have pictures to prove it, Amen? All right, I want you to understand this morning that God is going to reward each and every one of you, and he's going to do it lavishly. Paul said that you haven't seen, you haven't heard, you haven't thought what God has in store for you. That it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's gonna, you're gonna marvel at it. You're gonna be humbled by, by the move of God. Kurt already said, well, you know, pastor, I don't want a city. I don't want a kingdom. I don't want to do all that. And Kurt made the point, and I want to make the point again. That's not God's heart. Okay. God's heart is for you to be fulfilled. I want to read to you this morning out of, out of the book. I'm going to read page 155, and I just want to read a couple of places, and I don't want you to miss this. Listen to what it says. 
Our powerful and creative Father makes us in His image. Powerful and creative sons and daughters. He gives us the earth like a wedding present, instructs us to reign, and endows each human being with talents and gifts to carry out that task. The long story of human history then follows, and it's filled with glory and with tragedy. God's children prove themselves capable of marvelous works, and we also prove ourselves capable of terrible deeds. Evil ravages the earth and the human race, and things go from bad to worse until our loving Father intervenes, and Jesus Christ comes to overthrow evil and to ransom us. He begins the healing of our lives. He gives each of us a role in the church's great mission. In the next chapter, our powerful and creative Father recreates us and the earth. He tells us to do exactly what he told Adam and Eve to do, to reign. You've been made to be a king and a priest to serve God, and we will reign on the earth. That's Revelation 5.10. Do you follow the story? Do you see the exciting connection? We're glorious men and women, once again given to a glorious world in order to do the very thing our nature was meant to do. Only this time around, we'll do it with great power. Listen to the last two sentences. What will you do in the coming kingdom? What will you do? The simple, stunning answer is this. You will do everything you were born to do. You will do everything you were born to do. Let me talk to you for just a minute about dying. When we pass away, my brother passed away April 28th. And most of you know he was killed in a plane crash. And the moment he died, his spirit stepped out of his body and he was ushered into heaven. And he's there right now. My brother's there. My mother and father are there. I have grandparents there. I have aunts and uncles in there. I bet everybody across this room has somebody in heaven. And they're doing okay, they're doing wonderful, they're with Jesus, they're with God, and they are themselves. Here's what happens to you when you die. Your spirit leaves your body. And when it does, you're not alone. So when anytime anybody dies, if they die in a plane crash, if they die in an automobile accident, if they were to die on the battlefield in war, or if they die in a hospital bed, they're never alone. Why? Because the moment you step out of your body, the angels are there to carry you into God's presence. And you experience two things the moment you pass away. The first is absolute peace. The Bible says in God's presence is fullness of joy. So the first thing you feel is complete and absolute and wonderful peace. The second thing you experience is absolute life. You see, you're alive on the inside. Now, you're alive in your flesh too, but the reason you're alive in your flesh is because you have life on the inside of you. It's your eternal spirit with Jesus Christ on the inside of you. And your flesh can kind of muffle that. Your flesh can kind of subdue it a little bit, okay? The Bible says that we're decaying on the outside, and all that means is we're aging on the outside. So whether you're five or you're 55 or you're 85, we're all on that journey of aging, correct? And as I age on the outside, on the inside, I don't age, and neither do you. The Bible says that we're renewed day by day. So you experience absolute life, and you experience absolute peace. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. The world has no answer for death, but the church does. And the answer is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead. The first person to ever be raised from the dead was Jesus. Why does it matter that Jesus was raised from the dead? Because you and I will be raised from the dead the very same way. You see, they're in heaven with Jesus waiting right now. We're on the earth right now waiting. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come for us. And when he comes, he's going to bring the saints in with him from heaven. And they're going to get new glorified resurrected bodies. And you and I are going to get new glorified resurrected bodies. The scripture says so. Now, I've got a video that's a couple of minutes long that I want you to watch. And as you watch it, pay attention to the words at the very beginning. And here's what I want you to look for in this video. Imagine this person is waking up on the first day of their first day in heaven, of their first day of eternal life. They're young again. They're alive again. They have peace. This girl wakes up and she looks at her hair. Why does she look at her hair? I'll tell you why she looks at it. Because the gray is gone. The thinness is gone. And she's back young and she's whole and she's full and she has life on the inside of her. Can you imagine what your first day in heaven will be like? I often think about that and wonder about that. My father's first day was February 2nd, 1974. He's been there for over 40 years. My mother's first day was February 14th in 2010. She's been there several years. My brother's first day was April 28th, 2017. He's barely been there six months. Can you imagine what the first morning of the first day will be like? I I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Maybe what the first week will be like. What will the first month be like? And and I know it's eternity. I know it's not time. But I just wonder what it's going to be like. Now, you know, one of the greatest lies we've been sold by the kingdom of darkness is, oh, when you get there, you won't know anybody. You won't know anybody. Well, that's a lie. Because the Bible says that we'll be known as we're known. I want to read it to you. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Listen to what it says. It says, for now we see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we wish, excuse me, then we will sh- shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known. Listen, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most in the new kingdom is the restoration of relationships. What do you mean? Well, the restoration of my relationship with my dad that I haven't seen since I was 18, my restoration with my mother, my restoration with my brother, with my grandparents, with my aunts and my uncles, the restoration of knowing them and being with them. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I can always remember going to my families at Thanksgiving, and I bet you have this memory too. And we would get together, and we would spend the day together, and it was good. I'm not saying it wasn't good. But I would always leave there with an ache in my heart. What do you mean? Well, I just, I wanted it to be more. I don't even know how to explain it to you. But when I would leave, I just had this ache in my heart because I wanted it to be closer. I wanted it to be richer. I wanted it to be more real. I wanted something from them that they almost couldn't give. Does that make sense? I mean, when I'd see my uncles, I wanted them to come alongside me and say, hey, how are you doing? And how's your marriage? And how's your life? And it's not that they wouldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They didn't know how. Their dads had not done it for them. Their uncles had not done it for them. So in the midst of even though it was good, there was still that longing, that ache in my soul. Now, don't miss this. In the coming kingdom, you're going to have it. 
You see, when I said yes to Jesus, it was hard on my relationship with my brother, really for the rest of our lives. I loved him and he loved me, and I'm not saying that we didn't, but there was just something missing. That's going to be restored. You see, my dad's father was broken most of his life. What do you mean broken? Well, he was a tired, angry, hard man, and he'd spent too much time in alcohol, and I didn't have a very good relationship with him as a child because he died when I was fairly young. I wasn't a kid, but I was a young man, and I can't wait to have a relationship with him in the kingdom because he knew Christ. I can't wait for your broken relationships and that heartache in your life to be made right. How many of you have somebody in your life right now or somebody that's not here anymore and you can't wait to see them and you can't wait for it to be made right and you can't wait for it to be whole? You're going to have that in the kingdom. That's one of the things I look forward to the most is being with my family, being with those that I love and those relationships being restored those relationships being made right. Here's what I want to leave you with, and we'll close. Can I just get you to put your hope in the kingdom? Don't put all your hope in this life. Have hope. I'm not against that. But that you put your hope and your trust and your longing in the future and in being together with your family and with your loved ones. Just like Kurt said, that we make sure they know Christ and we make sure they go with us. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the brief time that we've had here together. Father God, I thank you that we leave this place filled with hope, filled with courage, filled with life, filled with strength, that your grace is on each of us, Father God, and that you guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you all stand, please? Y'all going to be blessed. I love you. Y'all have a great rest of your weekend.